Um, there's one thing wrong with that message. It wasn't preached at my church. I mean that. I'd give anything if my folk could have heard that, brother. I'm serious. Wish my people could have heard that. I'm thinking standing here, I think it was, I may be mistaken, but I believe it was Jehu that said to the guy one day, <clears throat> he said, is thy heart right with me the way my heart is right with thee? I'm glad God's heart's right with us. Amen. You ever imagine if God's heart got crossways with us? The trouble we'd be in. I'm glad the heart of God is for us, not against us. I've seen so many in my life, the devil has steal their heart. There's probably somebody here tonight, if you'd just be real honest. God does not send a message in vain. So somewhere, of course, it's a warning to all of us. To every last one of us, it's a warning. And I want to take heed. I've seen people that serve the Lord as long as I have, Brother Ronnie has and others here, that got their hearts stoled, even in old age. One of the greatest preachers I ever knew, I won't call his name, pastored the same church 52 years, done a great work for God, and the devil stole his heart, and he died out of the will of God. God forbid. God forbid. I don't know if I need any more preaching, I don't know. But just ask you if you've minded the Lord tonight. You minded the Lord tonight. There's nothing more serious in the whole world than when you're dealing with the souls of men and women, boys and girls. It's going to die without God. I say this, and if the Lord let me, I'll preach, but I may have told this story here before some years ago. It's been <clears throat> several years ago now. A boy was coming to our church a little bit. He said he got saved. I don't know. But he told me one day on a Sunday, he said, would you go visit my grandpa? He told me what his name was and where he lived. And he said he's got cancer real bad and he's dying with cancer. <clears throat> would you go see him? And I said, I sure will. So that was on Sunday. I went on Tuesday to visit him. A little single wide trailer. It was in the summer. It was real hot. Little single wide trailer. He had a window open. The bed was right in front of the window, and he had a window open where he could get a little air coming through that window, laying that bed pretty bad off. <clears throat> I began to talk to him, just a little bit of small talk. Finally got around to asking him about the Lord, and I said, Mr. Cornett, do you know the Lord? He was 72 years old. And he said, I don't know. I don't know where I do or not. Well, this modern-day soul-winning crowd would try to get them to pray a prayer. But I want to tell you something. Agree or disagree, a man's got to know a little bit about God before he can get saved. Amen. You can't just cold turkey say pray this prayer and say these words and 
then turn around and promise that man that God saved him. It just don't work that way. So I asked him, I said, Mr. Cornette, what do you know about the Lord? Tell me what you know about the Lord. He said, preacher, he said, when I was a boy, my mother took me to church every day of my life until I turned 17 years old. And I got out. He said, and he kept saying this statement. I'll never forget it the day I die. He kept saying this statement. He said, I got out, but I meant to get back in. And he said, I turned 21, got married. I was out, but he said, preacher, I really, I meant to get back in. He said, for you know what, I had a young family working every day. And he said, uh, I meant to get back in. And he said, then now I'm an old man. And I never did get back in. My time's run out. And he said, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if God's even speaking to me. I tried to talk to him, tell him about the Lord, prayed with him. He didn't pray, but died two days later. I'd done his funeral. You better, you better take this serious business. I wrote down. I wrote down what Brother Yokely said. I turned back in my Bible. I write statements down in the back of my Bible. This is a new Bible. I write statements in the back of my Bible that mean something to me. I wrote a statement down. He said that I put your name by it and I put the date by it. He said, the fear of God is meant to help you. Never heard that before. But it's right. Amen. If you're not here right with God tonight, you better get right while you can. I'm talking about while you can. While you can. Day may come, you want to and can't. Can I mind the Lord just a minute? Just, just to bow our head just a moment. I'll preach if God let me here. I don't want to miss God. There's somebody here tonight. You, 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 didn't, you didn't mind God a minute ago. You didn't mind the Lord a minute ago. God's trying to give you another chance. The altar's still open right now. Maybe your heart's leaning. Would you come tonight and say, Lord, the devil's trying to steal my heart. Would you come? Will you come? Can you come? Can you humble your heart tonight and mind the Lord? I don't want to see anybody leave this meeting now, the will of God. Brother David Wells, pray for us while we're getting ready to preach. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Yes, Lord. 
Please, Jesus, we're counting on you, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Please, God, tonight. Please, Lord. Oh, God. May the light of God pierce every heart tonight. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes. Amen. Turn the book of Hebrews tonight, if you will. I go back to where we were last night, <clears throat> pick back up here a little bit this evening. The text is a bit lengthy, but I'm going to read it anyway. And uh, it picks up kind of about the same place in some sense of the words where Brother wrote Yokely was. Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible said, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered, year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin thou hast had no pleasure. God's conviction is still working in this crowd right now. Even while I'm trying to read this text, my mind keeps getting drawn back to somebody here. That's disobeying the Lord. You may think that you'll have another chance, and you might. But you might not. I want to offer another word of urgency before I read on that you need to get right with God while you can. Amen. Verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither had his pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come, do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest, or every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. Right back to that heart thing. And in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. For where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Then he leaves the doctrinal application and goes into the practical. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter and to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, and here's our text verse, we preached through verse 18 last night, but our seed thought is in verse number 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. Isn't that amazing? That Brother Yokely preached on that stealing the heart. I was preaching last night on drawing nigh to God with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let's pray one more time. Father... We're looking to you. We know that we cannot do one thing, Lord, but fall and fail. God's all we can do, and we can do it well. But, Lord, without you tonight, we can do nothing good. And Lord, I pray that you'd help, God, the preaching that's already been preached tonight. Lord, prick that heart. Lord, may illumination illuminate the mind. And Lord, the will be broken and crushed, and the heart be humbled, God, before you. Our Father, tonight we recognize that we are among God's people. Lord, some, without doubt, somewhere here tonight, somebody's heart, Lord, is not in the right place. It's not uh, leaning in the right direction. I pray, God, tonight that even through the remainder of the message tonight that you would continue the conviction that's already begun. Have your way, I pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I began preaching last night on uh, the, out of verse 22 on let us draw near 
with a true heart, a true heart. I mentioned last night that that word true, it's a word alethanos, and it means that which has not the name and resemblance of a thing only, but the real nature corresponding to the name in every respect. It means that which is not defective and frail, but that which is real and genuine. That which is not op- that which is opposite of fictitious and counterfeit, and imagery and simulated or pretended. It means that which is true, real, and right. Uh, it really strikes me that God would preach the message that our brother just preached, and then come back with this true heart right behind it. I tried to go into three areas of thinking in the first 18 verses last night. We talked about the failures of the first covenant in those first 18 verses. They failed to perfect the comer, verse 1. To purge the conscience, verse 2. To please the creator, verse 5 through 8. To purify the confessor, verse 10. And to make the priesthood complete. It just failed. It could not do those things. We talked about not only the failures of the first covenant, but the finality of the finished work of Christ. That now that the Christ's work is done, the comer, one that comes, can be perfected. The conscience can be purged. The Creator is pleased, and the priesthood is complete. Thank God tonight the work is done. Thank God it is done. Aren't you glad of that tonight? It is done. In our text tonight, we dealt last night with what I entitled uh, the realities that are associated with drawing nigh to God. Those divine realities that I just mentioned. The work of Christ is a divine reality that is completed in full. Oh, just a few weeks ago, Brother Miller I was reading, my wife had went home, I'll come to my text, my wife had went home to uh, visit with her sisters and I was left alone at home, I'm not home much, I'm going about all the time and I'd been reading the books of uh, uh, Dr. Barnhouse and Boise and some of those guys on the books of Romans, uh, chapter 3, 4 and 5 and I'd been reading those for two or three days and that Friday evening I read while my wife was gone and went on to bed about 10.30 and slept just a little bit and woke up and got to praying out loud laying there in the bed. God made it real to my heart all over again that I am righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ and imputed righteousness of the dear Son of God. God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I have the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something we ought to shout. I got to lay in there in bed, got to thinking about that, got to praying, come up out of the bed, run back and forth through the house or shouting a little bit. I'm glad tonight the work, thank God, is a completed work. I am completed in the 
Lord Jesus Christ tonight. And so God has just laid the foundation here, laid the foundation to tell us uh, that we can come to God and draw near to God because of the work that Christ has done has opened heaven for us that we can now come into the very presence of God. I'm telling you, if you could think about that in the Old Testament application, I'll get to where I'm going in a minute, that uh, in the Old Testament they could not come near God. God was back there in the holy place. God was back there in the holy of holies and shut out by a veil, amen. But listen, they they could not get back there until that veil was removed. That's what he's saying here. Look at verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter... That word boldness does not speak of an action, but it speaks of an attitude. By this I mean that. That word boldness means confidence. It means frankness. It means a right. I want to tell you tonight, we have a right. We have a right to walk straight back there into the holy place where God resides. Oh, my soul tonight, to think such worms as you and I has a right, praise God, to go straight back there where God is and not just walk back there, but praise God, live back there. We can live back there in the holy presence of God. So many things that I'd like to say I'm trying to decide which direction I want to go. So many things that I'd like to say without going into a great deal of detail. They couldn't get back there because there was a divine prohibition to get back there. God said a one man can come one day a year with blood. One man. That's the divine prohibition. You can't get back there. Not only was there a divine prohibition, there was a dreadful penalty. If you try to come back there, I'll kill you. You can't get back there. You'll die. You can't get back there. And then there was a dividing partition. Amen. Three things held them out. A divine prohibition, a dreadful penalty, and then a dividing partition. But thank God when the partitions moved, amen, the divine penalty is raised. Amen. You can go back there now without getting killed. You can go back there now. Amen. Thank God. The penalty's gone. The prohibition's gone. It's not one man. It's the whole family of God. It's every believer, every single believer has the right to go back there and fellowship in prayer and in praise with the dear Lamb of God because of what He's done. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The veil, He said, represented the flesh of Christ. Amen. You know what held people from getting back there before? They couldn't live up to par with Jesus. Amen. And so we don't get back there by living like Christ lived. We get back there by the pure blood, having therefore brother boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm glad the blood. Amen. 
Amen. I'm glad the blood is on the mercy seat tonight. I'm glad the blood, thank God, is speaking better things than that of Abel. I'm glad the blood's back there and God looks down and sees the blood and he says, come on now. Come on back here where I'm at and live back here where I'm at. I'll come to what I want to say in a minute, but that veil, according to the book of Leviticus, that their exodus, that veil was made of three colors. It was made of blue, and it was made of scarlet, and it was made of purple, three colors. It was six inches thick. It was 30, 60 feet high, rather, and uh, 30 feet wide. Amen. And, uh, and blue, purple, or blue and scarlet and purple. And you got blue was the heavenly nature. It spoke of God's heaven. And then you got scarlet, that red color that spoke of man's suffering. And you mix exactly 50% of blue and 50% of red. And you got purple. Amen. And what you got in that veil is thank God, the heavenly one, the dear son of God in deity. And then you've got the scarlet suffering of the Son of God and the mixed together you've got a perfect blend of man in God and God in man. I'm glad thank God Jesus Christ wasn't half man half God. He is all man and he was all God. As man he knows how to represent man and as God he knows how to represent God. He can speak for me to God but he can speak to God for me. Amen. I'm glad thank God having a high priest over the house of God. Let us come boldly. I'm glad, thank God I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to get permission. I don't have to plead for God. Let me back there. The invitation's been given. Come one, come all, and live back here where I'm at. It's open. It's accessible. So in essence, In essence, in the first 18 verses, he's telling you that heaven or the throne of God or the presence of God is accessible. That's enough shout about. But he starts in verse 19, not only telling you that we have access to God, but he starts in verse 19. I'm trying to skip a bunch of this. He starts in verse 19 by telling us not only that we have access to God, but he tells us how to approach God. I think therein lies the trouble with our generation. And they think because God's heaven and God's throne room is accessible, that it makes no difference how you approach it. But may I say, God's not only telling you that you can get back there, but He's telling you what you've got to do and how you've got to be. Amen. That you can get back there. Amen. I'm trying to decide how much of this I want to junk. Amen. Amen. Let me just say this. He said that we have there, verse 20, by new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That's to say, his flesh. A new. That word new there speaks of a newly 
sacrifice. That's what it means. And the, the indication is this, that we've had one sacrifice, and it's for all, and it's forever. There's never going to be another. Amen. But here's what it says. The word new means that you don't have to look back yonder to 2,000 years ago where it was sacrificed. It stands new. Every moment of every day, of every month, of every year, that sacrifice stands as though it was just slain five minutes ago. Amen. May I say this evening? Amen. May I say this evening? The blood of Jesus is as fresh on the altar of God. I'm about to have a spell. Somebody better help me. I'm about to go airborne. The blood of Jesus is on the altar just as warm, just as pure, just as liquefied right now as it flowed from the veins of the Son of God five minutes ago. Did you hear what I just said? Do you believe what I just said? The blood of Christ is incorruptible. That means it cannot decay. I may repeat that. It's just as warm with our brother Ronnie. It's on that mercy seat right now. Just as warm, just as liquefied, just as red. Amen. As the day it dripped from the veins of the Son of God, he got that blood. Amen. And through the Holy Ghost, the eternal Spirit of God carried that blood into the presence room of God and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. I don't know where y'all agree with this or not. Don't much care right now. But I'm telling you, friend, that Jesus don't pray as much as we think he does to us. All he says to the Father, sitting at the right hand of the Father, He just lets the blood do the talking. Amen. A new sacrifice. Oh my, I've got some things I really wanted to say, but listen to me a minute. Did you ever catch that verse of scripture over there in the book of Lamentations that the mercies of God and the compassions of God fail not? They're new every morning. Why could they be new every morning? Do you ever wonder why the mercies of God's new every morning? Because every morning, nine o'clock in the morning, they offered a lamb. Nine o'clock in the morning, they offered an oblation. Amen. And when the day closed at three o'clock in the evening, they offered another daily oblation. Every day, they offered a morning oblation and an evening oblation. Amen. And you know the reason, you know the reason that uh, the mercies of God could be real in the morning? Because there was a sacrifice made today that was covered when you got up out of bed in the morning. That the mercies of God would be new because the blood yesterday had been accepted for today. May I say to you, the blood, thank God, that Jesus Christ offered upon Calvary 2,000 years ago makes the mercy of God new every morning. Amen. I have mercy today. Thank God. I'm about to have a spell. I have mercy today. Thank God because the blood is still on the throne. Now he tells us in verse 22, though I don't think that's what I want to deal with so much. He tells us how we can approach God. 
He says we must be conscientious with a true heart. We must be confident in full assurance of faith. We must be consecrated, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And we must be clean, having our bodies washed with pure water. That's how you get into God's presence. Now, listen to me, and I won't come to what I want to say tonight. Lord, I've done preached too long. That be talking about just now, starting preaching, ain't I? But uh, listen to me a minute. You can't just come, though, uh, though heaven's open. And though the uh, access has been granted and acceptance has been made there, God's telling us, here's how you come. This generation thinks they can just do anything, live any way, and practice anything, and dress any way, and and, uh, live with a dirty mind, a dirty heart, uh, amen, and unfaithful to God, and still expect God to just let them walk in and pray and ask anything they want to. God said, I'm telling you, the way's been made, but right here's how you come. Well, we should get a hold of that. Come, let us therefore draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Oh my, I'm preaching too long here, but uh, that, that high priest, when he headed back there into the holy place on atonement day in Leviticus 16, there was 146 peculiarities, 146 things that had to be correct. What if he said, I don't want to wear that white robe. I want to come my way. I'm here to tell you tonight, and I'll come to what I want to say, Lord, help me. I'm here to tell you tonight, though heaven is open and there's access made for the children of God to come and live back there in the holy place, God tells us we got to be clean and holy and pure to get in there and have acceptance and accessibility unto God. I'm sick of a generation that lives like the devil. I could say a lot of things. I could get mean if I wanted to. I can't even think that woman's name that preaches all over the country. I'll call her old Flossie. I don't remember her name right now. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Joyce Myers. I'm sick of people that say, and I heard her say sometime back, she said, uh, you don't have to seek God. You don't have to beg God. She said, all you do is just walk in, tell God what you want and walk out. I'm telling you, friend, there ain't a word of truth to that. Amen. God said, your heart's got to be right. Your body's got to be right. It's got to be right on the outside. And it's got to be right on the inside. If you're going to get into God's throne room, your heart's got to be right. And your body's got to be right. And your mind's got to be right. Your conscience, your mind, your body washed with pure water and your heart sprinkled in the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's the reason folk, it's the reason so few prayers are answered. Lord have mercy. God ain't like me and you. The doctrine we forgot about God's God's a holy God. 
Somebody help me. God's a holy God. You can't come flaunting the flesh and just pity patter your way into a holy God. God said, I've opened the way. I've made it before you can get back here. But I'm telling you how, listen, there's a difference in accessibility and approach. Amen. Let me say three or four things I want to deal with tonight. We talked about the divine or the realities of this true heart. Here we see the requirements in verse 22. The requirements of the true heart drawn nigh to God. But I want to deal with verse 23 a minute tonight. Just a few minutes. Time we got left. Let us. He mentions that three times in verse 22. Having established the doctrine of the fact of why and how we can come. He says that there's the divine realities in verse 1 through 20. But there's the, the requirements in verse 22 and 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. There's four words I just want to deal with a minute tonight. Number one is the word perseverance. Now I understand he did not say that you hold fast your salvation. You don't hold on to get saved. You didn't start holding on to get saved. You don't hold on to stay saved. There's only three concepts of salvation anyhow. Only three concepts of salvation. Everybody in the world falls in one of the three or some most in two of the three. Only three concepts of salvation. One, work saves and works keeps. That's one concept. The second concept is grace saves and works keeps. And the third concept is grace saves. And thank God, grace keeps. I'm not talking about holding on and persevering to the end. I was in a funeral sometime back and it was kind of some Pentecostal folks and, and, uh, hey, Lord help me. Uh, sometimes I get a little tickled, been around those folks. Uh, I really do. I really to God do. And they was, uh, they was a preaching and a singing and, and, uh, and they, one, they was saying to each other, I hope you hold on, brother. I hope you hold out. I hope you make it, brother. And I was sitting there saying, thank God. I ain't a holding to nothing, but one's a holding on to me. Amen. Amen. You're not going to heaven because of your hold on God. You're going to heaven because God's hold on you. Amen. I'm kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. God saved me. I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm saved yesterday. I'm saved tomorrow. And I'm saved forever. If I told y'all everything going through my mind right now, we'd be here to midnight. He didn't say, he didn't say, hold fast your salvation. Hold fast your profession. Now, that word hold fast, listen at me closely. It means to get a good grip on it. That's what it really means. To get a good grip or get a firm hold on something. To get it secure and firm in your position. To seize on it. It's actually a, it comes to, the root comes from a sailor's terminology. And it means a ship that's on a sea. 
and it's been driven by the winds, cross winds, and you got to get a good grip on the helm of the on the helm of the ship, lest the winds blow it off course. He said to you, you better get a good grip on what you professed to believe. Now listen at me tonight. I've pastored people for 30 years that have never one time give a testimony as to what they believe. I believe we've got people sitting in our average Baptist churches that has no idea what they really believe. Do you know what you believe tonight? That's a good question. He said the only way that you're going to keep from wavering is that you get a good grip on what you believe. Your profession. Let me, let, me, let me just slow down a minute. Look in chapter 3. What is your profession? Verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Your profession's Jesus Christ. Anything more than that won't get you to heaven. Anything less than that won't get you to heaven. Now, let me just miller, just mull around this a minute. Let me say number one, it seems to imply that difficulties are going to be attached to our perseverance, to our holding on. The very statement informs us there's going to be things that try us to get us to turn loose of what we believe. It's seemingly saying that there's a supposition of danger here. Y'all getting quiet on me. A supposition of danger. I'm, 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 not, I'm not of this school of the young preachers and modern day preachers that makes it seem like almost you can just float into heaven doing anything. Now, just so you know, I believe in eternal security. I preached 18 weeks at our church on the security of the believer. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe that if you ever believed anything... But you can just turn loose of it as easy as some people are in this generation. Sit on a church and get preached to for 20 and 25 years. And the first time somebody hits the right button on a keyboard on that little MySpace or MySpot or whatever the devil it is, and they find somebody on the line, they let loose of everything they're supposed to ever believe. It's turning loose and it all goes out the door. Makes me believe they never did really believe it. I'm telling you, I don't believe some of them ever did believe it. If God has ever put a deep conviction in your heart about some of the things you believe, it'll be hard to turn loose of them. Amen. Somebody help me. I left here this morning. I don't hardly ever call, take a phone in church with me. I always leave it in the truck, but uh, there was a situation going on this morning. I sat back in the back, back there, that my phone, I, I had it in my pocket and uh, something serious going on. And, and, uh, but when I got out of church here this morning, I looked and there was a call on it. A young preacher from Owen, South Carolina, 
he said, preacher, call me. He was crying. I called him and I got back to the room. He said, you know, so-and-so evangelist? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, uh, he preached for me Sunday. And he said, his wife came in with purple hair. Purple hair. And he was crying. And he said, I don't know how to deal with it. And he said, I called him and tried to talk to him about it. He said, he said, I'm fed up with the independent Baptist. He's an independent Baptist, by the way. And he said, I'm fed up with their standards. I'm fed up with their beliefs. I'm fed up with their ways. I said, let me tell you something, son. He probably never did believe them to start with. I don't care if everybody in here gets mad at me. We're living in a generation that kind of floats along and gets along and the first time they're ever crossed, amen, they go off into the wild and into the crazy, amen. I wonder if they ever did believe it, amen. I'm not trying to dress right because Ronnie Jones is and uh, Sister Willie is or because David Wells is. It's my conviction, it's my faith, it's what God put in my heart. And if you ain't got your own personal faith, if it ain't real to you, his world, ever since I got saved and started trying to stand for God, they've been trying to pry my fingers. They've been trying to loosen my grip. I want to tell you, the more they try to pry it off, the tighter I want to hold on to it. Hey man, somebody help me. It's real. It's precious. It's held me in the dark days of my life. Hey man, it's held me when the devil kicked the back door down and ripped my life apart. It was what I'd professed in Jesus Christ that held me. It's implying. It's implying that there are difficulties attached to our perseverance. But it implies not only difficulties that are attached, but it implies a determination that must be expected. Listen to what Paul said there in 1 Timothy 1, 18 19. He said, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that they by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Listen to what he said. Which some, having put away concerning faith, has made shipwreck. The idea is that there's going to have to be a determination. Do you listen to me tonight? I'll tell you the worst thought that God ever put in my mind ever since I've been preaching. Well, about five years ago, this thought come to me and I've never got over it. It's broke my life many, many times, but it's a true statement. Most people that start out in this thing won't finish. Most of them won't finish. I can't count on both hands and feet, Brother Steve, 10 times over. The people that started when I started 44 years ago. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, this thing of living for Jesus is not going to be an easy road. Hold fast. 
Get a good grip on it. Hold on to it. Don't let the world, the flesh, and the devil rip it out of your hands. Amen. Amen. A lot of folk make shipwreck. I cry every time I hear one of them. Don't never do me no good to hear somebody falling. Bad thing about making shipwreck, most folk don't sail alone. You got a son or a daughter sailing with them. Brother Ronnie Jones fell tonight. He ain't sailing alone. Every one of us in here would hurt. When a daddy goes down and sinks and shipwreck, he often takes his children with him and his wife with him. There's been a few times in the battle I've been in at the church. First 20 years I was there, there was some battles that I just, it had been so easy just to said, I'm getting me a job. I'm tired of this mess. I'm burnt out with the lies and the hypocrisy. Amen. I'm going to preach a little bit. And I'm just, I'm just burnt out with people's lies. I'm burnt out with their hypocrisy. I'm burnt out with their professions one day and changing their mind on it the next day. I'm tired of them walking one way one day and turning around walking another the next day. I told a good preacher the other day, everybody in here knowing if I called his name, he called crying, tore up. I said, what's the matter? He said, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, I'm mad and I'm tore up. I said, let me tell you. You something. This may not sound too spiritual right now, but I'm telling you my heart. I said, I'm telling you something. I said, Independent Baptist can school the mafia today. Amen. God help us all. Amen. That's the truth. Some of them meaner than the devil. And I said, if I got my eyes set on that bunch too long, and all of their wickedness and all their hypocrisy and all of their sin and all their waywardness and all of their uh, hiding things and all their deceit, I said, if I got my eyes on that too long, I'd turn my back and walk away and never again would I ever pick it up no more. I said, but let me tell you something. Somewhere right in the center of all that mess, somewhere right in the center of all that wickedness, there's a true pearl of great price. Amen. There's a real genuine blood-bought born to believer. There's somebody in that crowd, amen, that's been to Calvary, Brother Guffey. Amen. And God washed in the blood. That's striving with a pure heart and a true heart to serve God and do right. And I said for that nucleus, I think I'll just march on. I think I'll just sail on. I think, bless God, I'll just go on. Amen. Somebody help me. Amen. There's difficulties. There's dangers. Dangers. Hold fast. We're going to face the persecutions of the enemies of the cross who seek to destroy us. The presence of demon spirits that seek to divert us. The persuasions of the flesh that seek to defile us. 
The pull of the world that seeks to draw us away. The power of the devil that seeks to devour us. We're going to be attacked from within, in our mind, and from without, with our motives, and from all around us, with our misfortunes. There's going to be mental guilt and mental failure, spiritual oppression, amen, discouragement, and all of that's going to come. But you know what you got to do? Somebody help me. You know what we got to do? Hold on to our profession and say by the grace of God, I'm not turning loose what I believe. I know whom I believed. I know whom I believed. I'm not ashamed. I know whom I believed. I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I believe I'll just hold on to my profession. Hey man, I'm getting too old to preach like that. Hey man. This thing of living for God, it's no, it's not like a wind-up watch that you just wind up and let her run. She demands attention. This watch I got right here is 46 years old. It's a Rolex. It was made the year I graduated high school. I had to have her opened up about a year or two ago. It cost $1,100 just to get the back opened up on it. It's been running because it's required a little maintenance. Your Christian life ain't going to just wind up and run. It's going to require some maintenance. Amen. Every once in a while, that preacher got to get her son and wind her up her pretty tight. Amen. And she'll run back down. I'm about to have a spell. She'll run back down. But in the morning, you got to wind her up again. Amen. For 44 years, I've been going back to the house of God on Sunday morning. Thank God. And God's been winding her up again and winding her up again and winding her up again. But one day, son, blessed be the Lord. Got to wind her up for the last time. I'll be over in heaven shouting with Jesus. Amen. You got to hold on to what you believe. Amen. We're told such verses in the Bible as keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself in the love of God. Hold fast that which thou hast that no man take thy crown from thee. I don't get no further. I'm trying to tell somebody tonight, you better latch on. This world's trying their best to pry out of your hand everything you've ever believed. Are you hearing me? They're taking our kids off to a wicked college. They're prying everything they ever believed out of their hands. Amen. I just wanted to go on there. I'm preaching too long. Do you really believe what you say you believe? It'll be put to test one day. It'll be put to test one day. It's one thing to stand up here. I hear it all across the country, and I'm not being ugly. I'm not being ugly, Brother Ronnie. I'm not being ugly. 
Now here are these teenagers and these groups and thank God for them. I'm sure not running them down. That's not what I'm doing. I hear them standing up there and sing all these songs about how I'm going to be true to the Lord and what I'm going to do and all I'm going to do and what I've done and what I'm going to do. And that's all seem like a lot of this modern music's about. It's about me and what I'm doing. Amen. I'll tell you, I learned a long time ago. I got to the point a long time ago that I realized if the God of heaven don't lay his hand on me, don't uphold me and touch me and keep me in the palm of his hand. I've learned I'll fall flat on my face. I'll be like the rest of the world. I'll be a statistic in some book of yesteryear. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, you better make up your mind that only God can hold you secure in the palm of his hand and keep you from turning loose. How's about... How's about your size, son? Come here just a minute, will you? How's about your size? Walking downtown with my mother. Years ago, I had a hold of mom's hand. I was leading mom through the traffic. I thought I had mom hold, I had a hold of mom. I stepped out in front of a car. I realized right quick that wasn't that. I didn't have a hold of mom. Mom had a hold of me. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I know it's simple. Hey, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Many times when I stepped out into the way of danger. When I stepped out into the way of danger, I realized it wasn't my hold. Amen. When Peter began to sink, it wasn't Peter's hand, the hold of the Lord that kept him from sinking. It was the Lord's hold on Peter. Amen to God. I believe I'll just hold on. And maybe the last time I'll ever preach, I believe I'll just hold on to my profession. I think I'll just hold on. first word I told you I want to deal with was that word perseverance. The second word I'm trying to cl- junk a lot of this. The second word's profession. Hold on to your profession. I'm looking for something here if I can find it. I really want to read this to you. Here it is. I couldn't say it better than a writer of the last century said it so I just want to read it to you. What is your profession? Hold fast your profession. What is your profession? We don't seen it's Jesus Christ, but what really does that mean? Listen to what the writer of yesteryear said. Y'all still out there with me? He said the profession is your confession or your profession of faith. And though I'll give them to you numerically, he just wrote it in one big paragraph, but I broke it down numerically. He said, number one, it is the solemn acknowledgement which is made by a person when they publicly proclaim to be a Christian. That's your profession. He said, number two, it is the avowal that he has renounced the world, the flesh, the devil, all for Christ. That's your profession. Don't sound like much of ours today, does it? He said, number three, it is the declaration, I love this, that he disallows his own wisdom, righteousness, and will, and receives the Lord Jesus Christ as his prophet, priest, and king. His prophet to instruct him in the will of God. His priest 
to meet for him the claims of God and his king to administer over him the government of God. That's your profession. He said is the owning that he hates sin and desires to be delivered from its power and its penalty that he loves holiness and longs to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He said that's your profession. I'm losing y'all. He said it's the claiming that he has thrown down the weapons of his warfare against God and is now completely surrendered to the just demands of God upon his life. That's his profession. He said it is the testification that he is prepared to deny self, take up his cross, and follow that example which Christ has left him as to know as to how to live for God in this world. He said, in a word, your profession is this, what I just said. He said, it is the publishing abroad that he has from this very heart received Christ Jesus the Lord. And let it be said plainly and emphatically that no one acknowledging less than these things can scripturally be entitled to be regarded as a Christian. That's how they wrote in the 1800s and 1700s. It goes something like this today. Just pray this prayer. Hello out there. I'm about done. Y'all about about to quit on me anyhow. Just pray this prayer. Now you've got a little insurance policy for heaven. You can do anything you want to and enjoy this world. You're still going to the world to come. Nothing about denial and cross-bearing and repentance and walking with God and confession of your sin. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, the road's just too broad for some folk that I'm fierce, friend, they own it ain't. It's just too broad. The way of God's still narrow and straight. Some folks swear they're on the path to heaven. But one of us is on the wrong road. We're just not on the same road. They can cuss and swear and cheat and lie. (laughs) Lay out a church. It's interesting that the next thing he said, let us do in connection. The next thing he says, let us do in connection with this thing of heaven being open and us being accessible there. Is don't forsake yourself in the house of God. If you want to shut your access off to heaven, lay out a church. I'm not joking. Perseverance. Profession. About done. Persistence. Without wavering. Give me just another minute. Without wavering. Persistence. That word persistence. Look up here, everybody. The word persistence, excuse me, the word wavering means literally, you look it up in any Greek concordance you want to look it up in. It means literally to lean. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without leaning. A lot of folk today leaning. They're wavering, they're leaning. Getting off quiet. It's pretty easy to not lean in a crowd that ain't leaning. (laughs) 
But you go back to your home and your people and your crowd. They lean. I know you preach, I know he won't care. Me and him have been friends a long time. I'm seeing a lot of these missionaries cross the country. They come into your church and they profess one thing, but as soon as they get out away from you, they lean. I think if you're going to do it in church, I'll be done outside church. I'm still preaching, you know. If you're going to dress it in church, y'all dress like that out of church. It's amazing how folk stand up so upright on Sunday morning. As soon as they leave on Sunday evening, they lean, they change clothing, and they change channels. And Makes me think their thumbs is in a fight. You can figure out what I'm talking about. They lean. They wouldn't watch inside the church what they watch out the house for nothing. They lean. They waver. Hold fast profession of your faith, your perseverance, your profession, your persistence. Lastly, how can we do that? Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Here's how you can do it. You promise. For he's faithful that promised. You can't do it on your own. But he's faithful. I've told this before here and I'm done. I think Told in a lot of places. I first got saved. I'd go to church. I didn't know nothing about God. I come out of a family of drunkards. All my people was drunks. Didn't know nothing about God. Nothing about God. Literally nothing about God. I'd been saved long. I'd go to church, and them old timers would stand up and they'd say something like this, Brother Guffey. They'd say, I just want to thank the Lord for his love and his mercy. His grace and His faithfulness and His kindness. They'd talk a little bit and sit down. Come back the next service and they'd get on and they'd stand up and say, I just want to thank the Lord for His love and His mercy, His grace and His faithfulness and His kindness. Next service would come back and they'd say, I just want to stand and thank the Lord for His love and His mercy and His grace and His kindness and His faithfulness. I was just a young Christian son, and I'd think in my mind, I thought, Lord, ain't y'all got nothing else to say? I've been serving the Lord for 44 years. All I'm finding myself saying today, I just want to thank the Lord for His love and His mercy and His grace and His faithfulness and His kindness. You might could even entitle the message tonight, Get a Grip on It. (laughs) Get a Grip on It. Get a Grip on It. Got a fellow in our church. 
been there 33 years. He comes about two months, three, and he'll miss about two months or three. Been out now for seven weeks. He's got a brother-in-law that needs the Lord. And I asked the, the woman the other day, I said, why don't you let Jimmy talk to him? He said, he ain't got a lick of confidence in Jimmy. So Jimmy's just up and down, in and out and on and off. Every time you waver, you're telling somebody that God ain't faithful. Do you hear what I just said? Every time you waver, you're saying to somebody that's watching you, God ain't faithful to me. But oh, He is. Mother Ronnie.